Chapter 95 of The House by the Churchyard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The House by the Churchyard by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 95 In which Dr. Pell declines a fee and Dr. Stirk a prescription. In entering the front parlor, from whence in no small excitement there issued the notes of a coarse diapason which he fancied was known to him he found mr justice lowe in somewhat tempestuous conference with the visitor he was in fact no other than black dillon black enough he looked just now he had only a moment before returned from a barren visit to the brass castle and was in no mood to be trifled with twasn't i sir but mr dangerfield who promised you five hundred guineas said mr lowe with a dry nonchalance five hundred fiddles retorted dr dillon his phrase was coarser and tool at that moment entering the door and divining the situation from the doctor's famished glare and wild gestures exploded i'm sorry to say in a momentary burst of laughter into his cocked hat twas instantly stifled however and when dillon turned his flaming eyes upon him the little doctor made him a bow of superlative gravity which the furious hero of the trepan was too full of his wrongs to notice in any way i was down at his house bedad the brass castle if you please and not a brass farthing from my pains nothing there but an owled woman as owled and as ugly as himself or the divil beganis and he's levanted or else tuck for debt brass castle brass forehead be dad brass like goliath from head to heels and by the heels he's laid i'll take my davy considerin at his leisure which is strongest a brass castle or a stone jug and where sir am i to get my five hundred guineas where sir he thundered staring first in lowe's face then in tools and dealing the table a lusty blow at each interrogatory i think sir said low anticipating tool you'd do well to consider the sick man sir the noise was certainly considerable i don't know sir that the sick man's considering me much retorted dr dillon sick man sick grandmother's aunt if you can't speak like a man of sense don't spake at any rate like a justice of the pace sick man indeed why there's not a crater livin barn a natural idiot or an apothecary that doesn't know the man's dead he's dead sir but tisn't so with me and i can't get on without victuals and victuals isn't to be had without money that's logic mr justice that's a medical fact mr doctor and how am i to get my five hundred guineas i say you and you the both o ye that prevented me of going last night to his brass castle brass snuff-box there isn't room to stand in it bedad and gettin my money i hold you both liable to me one and t'other the both o ye why sir said low tis an honorarium tis no such thing sir tis a contract 
thundered Dillon, pulling Dangerfield's note of promise from his pocket and dealing it a mighty slap with the back of his hand. Contract or no, sir, there's nobody liable for it but himself. We'll try that, sir, and in the meantime, what the devil am I to do? I'd be glad to know, for strike me crooked if I have a crown piece to pay the coachman. Trepan, indeed. I'm neatly trepanned myself. If you'll only listen, sir, I'll show you your case is well enough. Mr. Dangerfield, as you call him, has not left the country, and though he's arrested, tisn't for debt. If he owes you the money, tis your own fault if you don't make him pay it, for I'm credibly informed he's worth more than a hundred thousand pounds. And where is he, sir? demanded Black Dillon much more cheerfully and amicably i hope i see you well dr toole that learned person acknowledged that somewhat tardy courtesy and low made answer he lies in the county jail sir on a serious criminal charge but a line from me sir will i think gain you admission to him forthwith i'll be much obliged for it sir answered dillon what o'clock is it he asked of toole for though it is believed he owned a watch it was sometimes not about him and while low scribbled a note toole asked in a dignified way have you seen our patient sir not i didn't i see him last night the man's dead he's in the last stage of exhaustion with an inflammatory pulse if you feed him up he'll die of inflammation and if you don't he'll die of wankness so he lies on the fatal horns of a dilemma you see and not all the men in derry'll take him off them alive he's gone sir hell's coming i hear i'd wait if i could but i must look after business and there's no good to be done here i thank you mr low sir your most obedient servant dr toole and with Lowe's note in his breeches pocket, he strode out to the steps and whistled for his coachman, who drove his respectable employer tipsily to his destination. I dare say the interview was characteristic, but I can find no account of it. I am pretty sure, however, that he did not get a shilling. So at least he stated in his declaration, in the action against Lowe in which he or rather his attorney was non-suited with grievous loss of costs and judging by the sort of esteem in which mr dangerfield held black dillon i fancy that few things would have pleased him better in his unfortunate situation than hitting that able practitioner as hard as might be just as he drove away poor little mrs turk looked in is there anything ma'am asked toole a little uneasily only only i think he's just a little frightened he's so nervous you know by that dublin doctor's loud talking and he's got a kind of trembling a shivering eh a shivering mum said toole like a man that's taken a cold eh oh he hasn't got cold i'm sure there's no danger of that it's only nervous so i covered him up with another pair of blankets and gave him a hot drink very good mom 
i'll follow you up in a minute and even if it was you know he shakes off cold in no time he has such a fine constitution yes mom that's true very good mom i'll be after you so upstairs went mrs stirk in a fuss that's it said tool so soon as they were alone nodding two or three times dejectedly and looking very glum it's set in the inflammation it's set in sir he's gone that's the rigor poor gentleman said low after a short pause i'm much concerned for him and his family tis a bad business said tool gloomily like a man that's frightened and he followed mrs stirk leaving low adjusting his papers in the parlour tool found his patient laden with blankets and shivering like a man in an egg with blue sunken face and he slipped his hand under the clothes and took his pulse and said nothing but ay 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 quietly to himself from time to time as he did so and stirk signing as well as he could that he wanted a word in his ear whispered as well as his chattering teeth would let him you know what this is well well there now there drink some of this said tool a little flurried and trying to seem cool i think he's a little bit better doctor whispered poor little mrs stirk in tool's ear twill pass away mom tool was standing by the bedside looking rather woefully and frightened on stirk's face and patting and smoothing the coverlet with the palm of his stumpy red hand and whispering to himself from time to time yes yes although with rather a troubled and helpless air just then came the roll of a coach to the door and a long peal at the knocker and little tool ran down to meet the great dr pell in the hall he was in in a moment and turned aside with tool into the drawing-room and tool's voice was heard pretty volubly it was only a conference of about two minutes and dr pell said in his usual tall way as they came out how long ago sir about ten no hardly so much eight minutes ago answered tool as he followed that swift phantom up the stairs your most obedient mom said the slim and lofty doctor parenthetically saluting the good lady and he stood by the bedside having laid his muff on the chair well sir and how do you feel there now that will do sir don't mind speaking i see and he put his hand under the clothes and laid it on stirk's arm and slid it down to his hand and felt his pulse and he's been near ten minutes this way said the doctor oh he was a great deal worse tis a vast deal better now isn't it dr tool the rigor is subsiding then has he had a sweat mom said pell oh no nothing like quite nice and cool doctor and no fever nice quiet sleep and his appetite wonderful tell him dr tool oh yes mom dr pell knows i told him all mom said tool who was looking with a blank and dismal sort of contemplation 
upon Stirk's fallen countenance. Well, Mom, said Pell, as he looked on his watch, this rigor, you see, will soon pass away, and you're doing everything we could wish, and, for he found he had time to scribble a prescription, we'll just order him a trifle. Good day, sir. You're most obedient, Mom pen and ink in the drawing-room dr pell said toole reverentially oh no no madam excuse me murmured dr pell gently pressing back mrs stirk's fee the residuum of dangerfield's bounty with his open palm oh but dr pell urged she in a persuasive aside half behind him in the shadow of the doorway pray madam no more pardon me and dr pell with a peremptory bow repelled his fee why do physicians take their honest earnings in this clandestine way transacted like favors secret sweet and precious and pocketed in dark corners and whispers like the wages of sin cold dr pell here refused a very considerable fee he could on occasion behave handsomely but i can't learn that blustering hilarious dr rogerson ever refused his and the doctor descended not hastily but very swiftly and was in the drawing-room and the door shut gone poor gentleman said toole in an undertone his phraseology became refined in pell's presence he'd have said poor devil or poor dog if he had been with dr rogerson pell held the pen in his thin lips while he tore off half a sheet of paper and only shook his head funereally so taking the pen in his fingers he said we'll give him so-and-so if you approve very good sir said toole deferentially and pell not seeming to hear dashed off a few spattered lines with necromantic circles and zigzags at the end of each when stirk afterwards saw that paper in the fingers of the maid being very weak he did not care to speak but he signed with a little motion of his head and she leaned down to listen recipe whispered the doctor put it in the fire and he shut his eyes tired pell looking again at his watch was dr toole's very obedient servant and was waylaid by poor little mrs stirk on the lobby well madam we put our heads together and ordered a little matter and that rigor that shivering fit will subside and we trust he'll be easier then and you've a very competent adviser in dr uh a uh, tool suggested the eager little woman dr tool madam and he'll direct whatever may be necessary and should he wish to consult again you can send for me but he's quite competent madam and he'll tell you all we think he had got to the end of the stairs while talking and made his adieu and glided down and out and before poor little mrs stirk bethought her how little she had got from him she heard the roll of his coach-wheels whirling him back again to dublin
i believe few doctors grow so accustomed to the ghastly eclaircissement as not very willingly to shirk it when they may toole shrank from it too and dodged and equivocated and evaded all he could but he did admit there was an unfavorable change and when he had gone promising to be back at four o'clock poor little mrs turk broke down all alone in the drawing-room and cried a passionate flood of tears and thinking she was too long away tried to rise quickly and ran up and into barney's room with a smile on and she battled with the evil fear and hope that faithful angel that clings to the last hovered near her with blessed illusions until an hour came next day in the evening about four o'clock when from barney's room there came a long wild cry it was his poor foolish little letty the long farewell and the noble barney was gone the courtship and the married days all a faded old story now and a few days later reversed arms and muffled drums and three volleys in the churchyard and a little file of wondering children dressed in black whom the old general afterwards took up in his arms one by one very kindly and kissed and told them they were to come and play in belmont whenever they liked and to eat fruit in the garden and a great deal more for all which a poor little lady in a widow's cap and a lonely room hard by was very grateful end of chapter ninety five recording by john brandon